Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and expectations, part two, their impact. With us in our virtual studio is the Dr. The Dr. Ari Tuckman, one of our most frequent guests and one of our favorite. Uh, we're going to get into the meat of the show tonight. Um, again, this was a two-part series. We encourage you to go back and catch part one, which was uh, which was last week, um, uh, to kind of help build on this. Either way, you can uh, listen to this show on its own. Uh, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for their continued support of Attention Talk Radio. Uh, our show tonight is being brought to you by them. Um, as a as for a fun little thing, we are uh, asking, if you're listening, if you listen to our show, there's a secret word that we're going to share. And if you write it down and you watch two other shows and write the secret words of those shows down, so there's three secret words, and you email us at attention at attentiontalkradio.com, we're going to email you the current edition of Attention Magazine, and we'll also uh, email you the next edition of Attention Magazine for free. Um, again, tonight's show is being brought to you by Chad. We've got a little tip that we're going to run, and we'll get into the meat of the show. Start the new year by staying up to date on ADHD. Subscribe to Attention Magazine, Chad's go-to source for practical information, clinical insights, and evidence-based strategies to help you manage ADHD. Gives a gift that keeps on giving. Attention Magazine. Subscribe today at chad.org. That's C-H-A-D-D dot O-R-G. Thank you so much, Chad, for uh, sponsoring our show. Uh, for those who are not familiar, uh, Chad's a larger not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Um, I've said it before, I've said it again. They're the ones that are on Capitol Hill advocating for us, uh, dealing with the regulatory agencies to make sure wording, different things we get, our fair share, our shape um, with regard to laws and or the execution of those laws and or um, accommodations. Um, a strong chat is a strong ADHD community. We encourage you to become a member. You can do that at chaadd.org. Uh, as a member, you get a, like a ton of men- benefits. It's definitely worth the money. So, Dr. Ari Tuckman uh, is a clinical psychologist who specializes in diagnosing and treating children, teens, and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. He's the author of three books, Understand Your Brain, Get More Done, the ADHD Executive Functions Workbook, more attention, less deficit success strategies for adults with ADHD, and integrative treatment for adult ADHD, a practical, easy-to-use guide for clinicians. He's a frequent speaker and has given more than 300 presentations on ADHD and other topics. He's got over 100 episodes and more than 2 million downloads of More Attention, Less Deficit podcast. He's a former member of uh, Chad Board, and he's been the current um, co-chair of their conference. So I think this is coming up on the fourth year. Uh, he's a wealth of information, uh, really a thought leader in, in, the, in the industry and the community. To learn more about him, just go to adultadhdbook.com. And with that, Dr. Tuckman, welcome to the show. So it's a pleasure to be here. Happy to be back. Uh, thrilled to be back, everyone. This is a two, second of a two-part series. The first show we started talking about ADHD and expectations, really expectations in the nature of them to kind of understand it. The show today, I really want to focus and have a conversation about the impact of expectations on people those with ADHD. And I guess I really kind of want to start by referencing a show 
that I did with uh, Dr. Thomas Brown some time ago, we focused on ADHD and high IQ, and he had done a lot of work when he was at Yale with that. Uh, he's on at UCLA doing some other things. And all right, what was interesting to me was um, what I, was interesting from the show is how he talked about ADHD and IQ have nothing to do with each other. If there's 2% of the people in the general population with Mensa, there's 2% of the ADHD crowd. But the issue really is being able to execute knowledge, and he kind of talked about how high IQ and ADHD was almost like a curse because you're smart and everybody had high expectations, but they didn't realize the execution was really the challenging. And so there was higher expectations of performance for the people that were intelligent and really tried to create a, a real a difficulty. And I think that that's a great example of expectations and their impact, the invisible impact on ADHD that really can lead to depression and underwhelming because people really don't understand. So expectations are profound and have a big impact on ADHD. Your thoughts on this? Absolutely. I mean, I've had plenty, lots and lots of really smart folks with ADHD through my office who you know, there's almost this curse of, you know, they perform so well in some ways, and yet then they make these just sort of simple mistakes. And, you know, that discrepancy between their highs and their lows just feels that much worse. You know, like, how can I be so smart and yet make these dumb mistakes? Maybe I'm just not actually that smart. You know, so instead of seeing like I'm really smart in these ways and in these very specific ways, I really struggle. Um, you know, like they don't separate it out. They go much more global, you know? So it's sort of like if you're colorblind, presumably people who are colorblind don't think they're stupid because they can't tell red and green apart. They just go, yeah, well, you know, I suck at telling red and green apart. What are you going to do? So um, yep. but because of the many ways that ADHD impacts someone, um, it can be much easier to just feel like it's sort of this all or nothing kind of, uh, you know, commentary in your overall abilities and not these specific sub-abilities. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you kind of distinguish the difference between internal expectations and external expectations? I think a second ago we were really talking about external expectations in the world. Uh, I want to come back to that, but going back to uh, more internal expectations, the expectations that we have of each other. Uh, in the last show we started talking about, you know, how a lot of times people with ADHD compare their insides with everybody else's outside. You know, they look on social media and like, wow, this is really incredible, and they and they have begin to have internal expectations that they're going to achieve that. And to me, it's 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 very outcome based when you're looking at those types of things and those expectations of outcomes really become a bit challenging. You and I did a show on the growth mindset, which is really focusing more, less on outcomes and more on the learning, the process. Like I have an expectation I'm going to do my best to learn as opposed to achieving uh, that outcome at the end. Um, the idea and the notion of is, is bringing some um, – I guess some thought and attention to the fact our internal expectations, I think a lot of times are external based and that can lead to a lot of resentment, a lot of frustration. But if we move it more internal and focus in on the process like learning, that's an expectation that we can meet often and not be disappointed. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so people who have a growth mindset expect that hard things will be hard. You know, and that the fact that it's hard doesn't mean that they're not smart. It means that this is hard. 
and they expect that they will perform badly at hard things in the beginning and that as they continue to practice it, they expect that they'll continue to improve, which is generally a true statement, not always. But um, you know, whereas that people who have more, instead of a growth mindset, have more of a fixed mindset, have this rather mistaken and, and sort of limiting notion that if you're smart, these things should be easy and smart people shouldn't have to practice them to do good at stuff. Smart people don't make mistakes. And that's just not true. Um, the way to not make mistakes is to never challenge yourself and only do things that are easy. But that makes life a whole lot less interesting in the end. So, um, yep. you know, so some of, but you know, it's this thing that like we get our internal expectations from our external experiences. You know, we, have interactions with other people, parents, teachers, friends, all the people around us who impact how, you know, what it is, influence what we expect of ourselves and of other people. And if the people you have around you are ones who recognize your strength while also being able to deal with your weaknesses and don't lump it all together, then you will have a similar expect. You know, it's okay to be smart in some ways, but to struggle in others um, and to really sort of coach more of that kind of growth mindset in other people and in themselves. So, um, you know, but I think that what's hard for folks with ADHD when it comes to expectations is that inconsistency that's so inherent in ADHD that, you know, that again, it's not like, it's not like the colorblind person, someone who's colorblind they can't tell apart red and green today, but here's the thing, they won't be able to tell it apart tomorrow either, and they couldn't yep. tell it apart yesterday either. You know, so it's like, in some ways that's much simpler. Like they will never tell apart, they have yet to ever tell apart red and green, and therefore we can expect with pretty good certainty, they will not be able to tell apart red and green. But the problem for someone with ADHD is that, you know, they can get the highest grade in the class, in the hardest class and then bomb out the stupid easiest class. And, you know, it's hard to reconcile that if you don't have ADHD as a lens to look at yep, that. Through. Yep. Um, and, you know, so it, so there's this idea that, you know, Russ Ramsey kind of coined this term of self mistrust, meaning can I trust that I will do the things that I said that I will do. Um, so it's not even talking about other mistrust. Like, I don't know that I can trust you to do this thing that you said, but it's, can I trust myself to do this thing that I said? And not that anybody in the world's a hundred percent reliable and perfect, but folks with ADHD have much more of that doubt, much more of an expectation of this may not work out. And unfortunately, unlike a depressed person who is really skewing reality, of seeing things in a much more negative way than they're likely to actually turn out. Um, someone with ADHD who's a bit skeptical about what they're going to do has way too much actual hard evidence to support that idea. Like in some ways it's not that unreasonable to take that position of, I said I would, you know, be ready for the team meeting on Thursday, but who the hell knows if that's actually going to, I mean, maybe it could be, sometimes I have, and other times I've been completely unprepared. So like, 
who knows what's going to happen on next week's team meeting. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, Ari, it's interesting because as you've been talking about this, it's, I always like having these conversations with you because it kind of brings things up, and I'm listening to some of the strategies that I've had over the years myself in terms of expectations, and I'm kind of walk through a couple of these things, see if I can share a pattern, at least how I pay attention to things uh, on the internal side. Um, outcome is one of those things that we look at, we try to kind of get to, and I'll never forget when I was originally doing attention talk video, uh, video is on YouTube, it's a lot more difficult because of lighting and stuff like that, and I was trying to do some interviews uh, at remote locations, and technology was really kind of screwed up, and one of the things over the years that I've come to, I have an expectation that I can be creative. Now, how that manifests is, in, but it's an internal one, I've, I've, I'm not always creative, but I have an expectation that if I give myself enough uh, slack and left pressure, I'll come up with something that's somewhat clever. And I'll never forget, uh, I did an interview with Dr. Charles Parker, and the technology was all messed up. The sound was kind of screwed, but the interview was great. And I knew that I was not going to get another opportunity with it. I'm like, what do I do with this? And I was seeing that the outcome wasn't very good, but I'm like, you know, I was really trying to trust and, and have an expectation that I can just relax over a period of time and, and come up with something creative. And it's funny because we put a little bumper on the front of it. Uh, I think it's something, something like the ADAC conundrum, perfectionism. And I said, you know, what do we do? Do we, do we, this is good content. Do we not let it out or do we let it go out as is? And I think I said something like, you know, we say done is better than perfect. We're going to release it as is, which is funny because the idea was I was using I had an expectation that I could be creative, and I adjusted ex- people's expectation with this little bumper, like, this isn't perfect, but we're going to let it kind of go anyway. It was funny because I've actually gotten some emails from different people like, wow, that was really pretty cool. Yeah, the sound quality was clever, but, it, you know, it was really there. And uh, for me, that growth mindset of, of sitting there, not, not focusing so much on the outcome, but the process of kind of getting there, uh, and even some of the shows that you've done, we've done together, I'm like, okay, I We've gone in blind, like, you know, here's a sentence we're going to do. I think we ripped one on manners one time is that that creativity can be there. And I'm not so focused on the outcome as I am on just really that process. Another thing that I've done many times is when I need to make a decision and I don't have all the facts and I know I'm really, as I just say, I'm making the best decision of the worst. And I've come to get to a point in time where I sit down and consciously take a look at everything I have and say, okay, I need to make a decision. And I put everything that's in front of me and I say, okay, I've done my research. No matter what I do, this is the data points that I have, and I'm going to make a decision. And I've done that before, and it's come out good, and other times it's come out poorly. And when it's come out poorly, I always go back to that moment when I, before I made the decision, I took a look at everything I had in front of me and said, I did the best I could based off the data that I had. You know, and I didn't know what the future was going to bring. And it's funny because I had that expectation that I was going to sit there and make that assessment based off of what I had, and I was going to be good with it at some point in time in the future. So I kind of anchored that I was more focused on did I, did I do the due diligence, did I think through this, and I did the best I can. And I have the expectation that I did the best I can, even though the decision might not have been there. The other thing that I've done over a period of time is actually look back and said, you know, my outcomes are not that great. I have learning disability and I have dyslexia and stuff like that, but still I've had some success and a really fulfilling life and been grateful for those things that I've had as opposed to the expectation maybe that my YouTube channel is the largest. I think we're number three, which is okay, but I'm grateful we're number three. And, hey, what about this? And so those are strategies that I have used, again, for my own, adjusting my internal expectation. But what I kind of communicated for me, and, again, this is different people, I focus less on the outcome and more on the process and that I'll be there. And those are just three examples of how I try to focus on that process because I have an expectation of myself that I'll give it my all. 
The outcome may or may not be fulfilled, but if I gave it my all, then I'm okay with it. So, anyway, any thoughts on that? Any comments, anything you'd like to add? Yeah. So, so let's take the, you know, the example of the interview with Charlie Parker. So you went into it with an expectation that technology was going to work well. Okay, that, that turned out not to be the case. But, you know, that, it put you then in, in, in a position where you have two options. One is to sort of say, that didn't work out. Well, dump the tape, you know, delete the file, done. You know, like it, it didn't work out onto the next. Um, or you could change your expectation, you know, and I guess sort of implicit in, there's like an implicit expectation here of, I have an expectation that people will be upset if I don't have really clean audio. Um, or I have an expectation of myself that I have to produce really clean audio so people can hear it easily. Um, and that's not an unreasonable expectation. But unfortunately, life threw you a curveball and it forced you then to choose among other options, one of which was not clean audio. So, you know, so you, you then have to take a look at the expectation of, well, what do I expect listeners, how do I expect listeners to respond to this? If I put it out with crappy audio, but good content, are they going to be okay? Um, and, you know, I think that by putting that bumper up front and acknowledging the audio kind of sucks here, but the content is too good to keep it to myself. Yep. So, you know, you don't have to be perfect. So, like, you set people's expectations to begin with. Um, and, you know, I think most people were probably okay with it. Um, I think if you had yep. not had the bumper, people might have been more aggravated because, again, they're going into the listening yes. with an expectation of good audio. So, so like, I think there's expectations and changing of expectations kind of sprinkled throughout this example. And even that, you know, saying done is better than perfect, like the people who wrote into you, like you changed their expectation of, of their standards that they need to set for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Under everything that, that I described and you've just described, and we want to go to break here in a second, I want to notice ex high expectations on myself for the outcome of something. Not the effort, but the outcome to me puts a lot of pressure on people with ADHD, and often that really paralyzes you to the point in time that you don't do it. So in the video situation, when I took the pressure off of myself for the outcome and focused in on the process, I came up with that idea of the bumper on the front side. So I want to come back from break and talk about pressure. Uh, we want to start to move to externalize, external people and how to manage um, expectations on that side. Before we go, our, our, um, our secret word tonight is impact. Again, impact. And uh, uh, you need to go to adultadhdbook.com. That's Ari's website. It's got lots of great information. We encourage you to go check it out. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Do they act out in school? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be her greatest ally. Get your parenting questions answered live the first Monday of every month in a Facebook chat with former Attention Talk radio host Caroline McGuire. She's the author of the upcoming book, Why Will No One Play With Me? Go to www.carolinemaguireauthor.com to learn more. 
transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Hey, you parent or your kid who struggles with performance, motivation, or behavior? I'm Cindy Goldrich, parent coach and teacher trainer. Join me to learn how to reduce the chaos and stress and tackle issues such as motivation, setting boundaries, and increasing compliance. I've been helping parents for over 10 years through my nationally recognized parent workshop series, Calm and Connected. Join me for a live webinar, and it's now also available on demand. Go to ptscoaching.com to register today. That's ptscoaching.com. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Ari Tuckman in uh, our second uh, show on a two-part series around expectations. First, we talked about the nature of expectations, and now we're talking about the impact. Uh, before the break, talking about internal expectations um, and uh, the nature of how do you take the pressure off um, because expectations and outcome are, are, are just wrought with emotion and really can kind of paralyze. I've learned over the years, uh, from this is my own personal strategy is focus on the process, not the outcome, and in a means to take the pressure off. So focus on really kind of what I can control. And so, you know, Ari, I think when we start getting into expectations, because we're moving from internal to external when you're dealing with other people, it's really hard to adjust other people's expectations. We really don't necessarily have the control to do that. Um, a lot of people, we, we talk about expectations, but, you know, they believe what they believe and they have their mindset. But it's interesting to me because, for me, even external expectations really come back to me. And I've learned over the years that what I like to do on the front side is to adjust expectations as best I can when I'm dealing with somebody else so that it takes the pressure off of me. And, and I'll give you some examples. Um, we go to conferences all the time. You know, we see everybody around. And I, quite frankly, I, I don't remember names. When I'm watching, like, the, a friend show, I don't remember the names of the characters. I just remember it as the blonde or the, the character, I just <laughs> right. kind of like an X and Y value. That's just the way that I think. And when I'm at conferences, I, I, I interact with some people, and I, I remember them in a context, but I really I, I don't know their name. I'm, I'm not going to remember their name. I gave up years ago. I've tried all the tricks. And so what I do is, I, hi, your name's so-and-so? Yeah, well, just, just so you know, I'm probably going to ask your name about 50 times because I'm still trying to get my name right, and so please don't be offended. And <laughs> that I say up front Hey, it's true. It's an honest statement. But I'm trying to adjust that expectation to give me permission to go back a second or third time. Some people are still offended with it, but some actually think it's kind of cute and stuff like that. But again, by expressing that on the front side, I'm kind of telling them what they can expect. And now I, 
now I can deliver to that, and it makes it a little bit easier for me. Right. Um, so thoughts on that? And just just pressure in general, and how you take your pressure off in the face of other people's expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think that like so this is this is the power of an ADHD diagnosis or a whatever diagnosis is that it changes how we understand the situation, which then changes what we expect from the situation. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we change our expectations down. It might mean that we change our expectations sideways. So like, in other words, if I'll just use like the stereotypical example, you know, some kid or teenager isn't doing well at school, gets diagnosed with ADHD, and now we understand why this kid isn't doing as well in school. And rather than saying, well, she has ADHD, I guess D's is all we should expect from her, um, which is perhaps what, you know, an explanation of she's just lazy, she doesn't care, some kids are just not that smart, some kids aren't meant for school. Like those understandings of the situation, those explanations will probably lead to lower expectations as opposed to having some different expectations that in order for her to stay on top of homework, we're going to need to approach this in a different way. Like maybe her sister can do homework while the TV is going in the next room. She can't like, that's not going to work out well. Um, Or we need to find another way to make sure that we know all the homework to be done rather than expecting her to write it all down when the teacher says it, because history is telling us that tends not to work. Um, or at least without medication, that doesn't work. So maybe with the right medication, we change some of our expectations for what's reasonable here. So, you know, by better understanding the situation, and again, diagnosis is a part of that, it helps us come up with better expectations. And it may be that we expect her grades to go from C's to B's or even A's, once we diagnose and treat her ADHD and take it into account. So, you know, again, we can raise our expectations sometimes, or we got to slide them sideways in the sense of how it is the means to that end, you know, how it is that this will, this goal will be accomplished. So Adjusting them and sliding them sideways um, and looking for new things is, is to me, you, you and I have done a bunch of shows on mindset by shifting that stuff a little bit in order to shift those expectations and stuff that's there. We, you, know, the, you referred some people to us. We did a show on the trades at one point in time, like sometimes college is mm-hmm. a viable alternative for PhD, but, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in the trades right now because there's a shortage, like, I think electricians are making sometimes like $120,000 and it's very geographic and taste and mindset of a certain thing, maybe to slide sideways and look for alternative is a way to shift your expectations and shift, change those expectations and change the pressure to something that really makes a little bit more sense or change that study environment. Um, but the, the thing that's interesting to me is this, is we make those adjustments under, underneath of all this, from my perspective, is that pressure. When you have pressure to meet expectations that are unrealistic or you can't do, it, it just really brings a lot of resentment, a lot of negativity. And the idea is not to dumb them down so that nobody has those, but to make those adjustments and make those shifts so that they are accomplishable in a meaningful way. That requires a little bit of creativity and not necessarily easy for the general population. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's sort of, you know, we talked about this a bit in the last episode about 
you know, some people get kind of rigidly caught up in a certain way of looking at things, despite the fact that it, it isn't working for them. So, you know, I think that the sales pitch on getting somebody to change their expectations is it's not just I need you to change your expectations to make my life easier because that's often a less compelling sales pitch, but rather if you change your expectations, your life will get better, you know? So, um, so again, kind of going to the cliche example, um, you know, like the resistant parent about the ADHD diagnosis is to say, look, what you've been doing hasn't been working like by definition, or you wouldn't be sitting in my office, right? Because people who are killing it don't come into my office to tell me how awesome they are. So, you know, obviously you're here because what you're doing hasn't been working. What I'm suggesting is if you can look at this through the lens of ADHD, if you can use strategies that lots of other brilliant people before you have figured out tend to work well, you will get more of those things that you're looking for. Like you want your daughter to have better grades. Okay. Here's a way to get there. Like by taking the ADHD angle on this, she's more likely to get the grades that you feel like she should have. Um, so sometimes that's the thing is using the, like changing the expectation of, of sort of what methods will get you there. And sometimes, you know, like as in the example of going into the trades rather than like a standard four year college, is about changing the expectation for what's going to work out best, what's going to be the best fit here. Yep. And, you know, college is great for the people it's great for. It's not yep. great for everyone. And, like, we do need people to swing hammers, and we do need people to, you know, pull electric wire and all of that stuff. Um, so the expectation that you can have a good life, for example, by being in the trades I think is, is very accurate. I think, you know, the numbers sort of support that idea. Um, so, but, you know, sometimes in life, we got to be flexible in our thinking and, and change our approach for how it's going to work. So today, the, these two shows that we would do the nature of expectations and the impact for our listening office, we're here to really get you to think and to illuminate this and for you to search to kind of what works for you. And, you know, Ari, you were, you were going through this thing, and I'm having like kind of an easy moment because I have this thing that, that it's, it's expectation-based that I want to say we'll go to break and we'll kind of come back and kind of talk about it a little bit. But when I'm coaching people and we begin to understand what works for them, which is usually a little bit unorthodox. I try to adjust their expectation, and the more I've been saying this over the years, it's really been true, and that is it's convenient for society if you do it their way. I'm going to reiterate that. It's convenient for society if you do it their way. And I don't want to be negative or derogatory, but I just want to illustrate that. Is people, I, did, I interviewed Autumn's uh, – not Autumn's time um, – uh, Zintal, uh, Sydney Zintal, I think it was from uh, Purdue yeah. University one time. She's talking, she's, she's an educator, and she talked about like when you're with ADHD kids and you're going to tell a story, it's not the kid picked his nose, it's the kid stuck his finger up to the third knuckle and pulled out a ro rainbow of snot that slung across the, the room. And the, the, in, that, in that moment, you're using that creativity to bring drama and extremes so that the kids will pay attention to it. For the teacher to do that, there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done to go outside of the box to do that. It may, again, this is not a knock to teachers because it does take, there's a lot of pressure under them. 
but the other side of it is, is the kid just has to work harder to listen to it. And that notion of society bullies you, it's convenient for them if you do the work, is an expectation that a lot of times I threw out there to kind of help people with ADHD when they go out in the world and realize that this is the expectation is you're going to have to advocate for yourself, and here's why. So we're going to come back and break mm-hmm. and talk about that. Everybody, the secret word tonight is, again, that's impact. And go check out Dr. Tuckman's website at adultadhdbook.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation in the second episode of ADHD and Expectations with Dr. Tuckman. Um, before the break, I was, I was sharing how I comment to uh, people that I'm coaching when they go out in the world after coaching it's convenient for society if you do it their way. And I was going to let Ari discuss it, but on the break, I couldn't help it. Uh, I did an interview with uh, uh, Dr. Russell Barkley on working memory um, some time ago, and we were talking about, uh, for many people with ADHD, um, high-tech is paper. And this is just a a fun example of this. Many people with ADHD, their working memory is challenged, and they need to have paper. They need to have it in front of them. It's convenient for the banks and all the financial institutions to send you digital um, copies of the statements. Now realize, as you got to go to the website, you got to remember the username and the password, then you got to find it, then you got to download it. There's a lot of friction that makes it difficult for ADHD. Whereas if it just comes in the mail, you open the envelope and you can see the statement right there, and you don't have as much work to do with it. But they're going to always bully you to want to go digital because it's really more convenient for them. That's their expectation. You're not going to change their expectation. The best I can do is help adjust a person's expectation to realize is that there's nothing wrong with you. Listen to the interview with Dr. Barclay. As he said, yeah, paper sometimes is high-tech for those with ADHD, and you've got to stick to your guns. And that is to just the expectation so you can deal with the world. So anyway, I wanted to share that and turn over uh, and, and share your thoughts on that comment, Ari. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like <clears throat> inherent in this expectation that you should just do it their way or everybody should just do it this way is – this idea that if you don't do it this way, therefore something is wrong with you. 
as opposed to, I don't know, people got, you know, different people got different ways or like different strokes for different folks or whatever. And that, you know, so believing that it's okay to find your best way to do it and that there's no one size fits all. And, you know, I think if anything, you know, over the, over the years now, we have more and more kind of segmentation and different options, you know? So like, I don't know, there's like how many kinds of orange juice on the shelf, you know, (laughs) 20 or something. So if we have 20 different kinds of orange juice, and clearly they sell enough of each of them that it's worth the shelf space to keep all 20 of them, clearly then writing things down on paper rather than using some high tech option, like clearly that is within the realm of okay if this ridiculous notion of 20 orange juices is okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I love interviews with you, Ari, because it always spawns like these thoughts from like the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I, it was funny because I, I, and forgive me for inserting this right now, so I, I don't really want to forget it, but I grew up, my dad, we, we lived kind of on a semi, my dad worked for IBM. He'd go into work at six o'clock in the morning, come home at like three o'clock, pour himself in Manhattan, get on with his button down collared like IBM shirt and get on a golf cart and go out and feed the chickens and pigs and stuff like that. And as time went on, we had cows, horses, pigs, chickens, a barn, tractors, all this kind of stuff. And at one point in time, my dad, I was looking at one day and he says, you know, the problem with running a farm is you have so many things to break. At some point in time, Hmm. everything's broken. You spend all your life fixing stuff. You never actually do it. And it stuck with me for a for the longest period of time, and I want to share it right now, and that is I think a lot of people with ADHD, they have an expectation of a life, and it gets – they want everything. But at some point in time, it gets so complicated that everything's broken at some point in time, and it's really, really difficult. And so shifting those expectations a little bit maybe in this comment is kind of keep your life simple. And keeping your expectations really, really pretty simple really makes your life a lot easier down the road because it's less you have to live up to, less pressure that you have to kind of deal. And I've I've coached a lot of people with ADHD really on simplicity as a way to kind of deal with um, expectations because they have such a strong impact. Have you had any experience with that, or or have you noticed um, those they they, your expectations are going to do everything and they kind of bite off more than they can chew, and then they're overwhelmed because of all the expectations? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I kind of call this the taste great, less filling lie, you know, like Miller, Miller light had this advertising campaign, taste great, less filling. So like, I will grant them, it probably is less filling. I think mathematically that's an accurate statement that it does have fewer calories than beers that actually taste good. But like, let's, let's all be really honest. Like Miller light does not taste great. Like you do not drink Miller light because you think it's delicious. So, um, but I think social media, again, just to kind of rag on that some more, it, social media also sets this thing, this expectation that you can have it all because people present these images as if they do. And certainly media personalities do as well. And, you know, and so it sets an expectation that you should be able to do it all. And if you don't, it's because there's something wrong with you. But don't tell anyone because everybody else is doing it all also. Um, and as opposed to this expectation that if you want it all, perhaps you can pull it off, but it'll come at a high cost in terms of your stress level and, 
you know, that there will be things that you're going to need to give up on or have less of, like, I don't know, time hanging out with your kids or something. So, you know, this expectation that in order to have a more peaceful lifestyle, I might have to have a more simple lifestyle and that there's always going to be trade-offs in life, but maybe this simpler lifestyle really is a better fit for what my interests and priorities are. Now, maybe it isn't. I mean, that's okay. But if it is, then, you know, you want to align your actions with what your goals are. And I think that having the right expectation is a part of that. And I think that, you know, I don't know, like Martha Stewart, for example, I think sets these unrealistic expectations. Because like Martha Stewart does a bunch of cool stuff. But let's all be clear. She has like an army of employees who really do a lot of this stuff. And then she just shows up for the photo shoot. So um, (laughs) this isn't even... You know, this isn't even like a, you know, social media thing. This is like before social media. You know, you had folks like Martha Stewart who set these unrealistic expectations for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we need to bring this together. You know, the first show we talked about the nature of expectations. I really wanted to pay attention to it. We talked about expectations are good and they can be bad. So it's, it's something I think everybody's got to wrestle with a little bit and try to figure out what makes some sense. But I was really hoping that we would bring some mindfulness and people would begin to look at the root of some of this stuff to decrease the pressure in their life. In this episode, talking about the impact it has negatively, and uh, I've shared a few things that I do to kind of help me manage it, both um, with people and those situations where I'm not going to adjust those expectations. And so I think the goal really was to get you, the listener, to be uh, thinking about this and mindful of this and figure out how it impacts your life and, uh, and uh, adjust your mindset and kind of deal with that. With that said, any final thoughts or comments on expectations before we bring it to a close? Yeah, I think that expectations are a really important point of intervention. And, you know, sometimes the work I do with clients involves helping them sort of lower or change their expectations um, for what might happen or what's reasonable or what's worth it or whatever. And other times my work goes the other way. And I I mentioned this, I don't even remember, was it this episode or the one before it all blends together, but that um, sometimes I work with clients to kind of raise their expectations. For example, what's reasonable to expect of yourself? What's reasonable to expect of other people? What's reasonable to expect in terms of how you should be treated within a romantic relationship or in the workplace or whatever. So, you know, it's definitely not a thing that, you know, that we're preaching you need to lower your expectations because I think life becomes unsatisfying or less satisfying, but it's rather having the right expectations for the circumstances based on what you know at the moment. And that might change over time as circumstances change or as your understanding of the situation changes. So, you know, I think that expectations was like, there's so much meat in this topic. And of course I would expect no less from the topics that you throw my way and the conversations that we have. (laughs) So, so you met my expectations for how these episodes would go. It's funny because you did bring something up that I didn't think about, and that is raising expectations. And not, we don't have a lot of time for it, but, you know, Ari, one of the things as a coach who I do is I don't pay attention to what people don't pay attention to. I pay attention to what they do. And I'm going to give a, an easy example. Um, I learned a lot from Dr. Russell Barker about working memory or nonverbal working memory, and many of people with ADHD, we call them verbal processors. They need to talk out loud. Now, verbal processing is not a very scientific or accurate word, but we just use it as coaches. It's, it's just become part of the lexicon. But it's interesting to me because I've worked with a lot of people who, 
if they're not talking, they're not thinking. And um, when I help them begin to understand all the successes in life, when when they were talking to somebody, and sometimes they don't even need the other person to comment. They're just they're talking and they're, they're really thinking. It looks like they're having a conversation. And when you start to get the the data that they're always successful to point to them over and over and over and say, you know, this always works for you to help them adjust that expectation. So in that moment where society's telling them that they shouldn't, uh, they should just go off and do it on their own, that they realize that they can get that outcome if they do it and advocate for themselves. And in the, in the, in, in the context of expectations is, is there's an expectation that you can accomplish things your way and to advocate for yourself and have some confidence in it. And I just, you really want to underscore that because you brought up a very good point that we that we didn't spend a lot of time on that I wanted to highlight because uh, helping people with the expectations, what they can count on themselves is really, really important. So anyway, yeah. so with that, I think we got it. Um, impact, everyone, is the secret word. Dr. Tuckman's uh, uh, website is adultadhdbook.com. Uh, all right, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Everyone, we hope you've enjoyed this. I encourage you to go back to listen to the first episode and the second episode again. I think that you will learn more um, by listening to it a second time. With that, catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.